everyone, I'm Hannah Lloyd. And I'm Charlotte Gilfillan. Welcome to our podcast, Women in Wellies. Each episode, we will be inviting a guest to share their stories, experiences and lessons of working and living in rural Scotland. We want to get to know the real women behind the wellies and share them with you, our listeners. This episode is sponsored by the Landed Estates and Rural Business Team at Henderson Loggie Chartered Accountants. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Women in Wellies podcast. This week we're joined by Emma McAllister-Hall. Emma, thank you for joining us. How are you? Hello, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. It's really exciting because I really love the, the podcast. So I've listened to lots of episodes. So I feel, yeah, a bit of imposter syndrome creeping in. But anyway... <laughs> It's great. I love that you're a fan of the podcast and now you're and now you're here to share some of your own story, which is fab. So can you kick us off, Emma, by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yep. Um so yeah, so I've lived so I live on the east coast of Kintyre, um, at Torresdale Castle Estate. So I actually live in the castle, um, which is where I am right now, with my husband Neil, um, and our two kids. So it's been in Neil's family um, for five generations. So he's kind of latest, I guess, um, layered of Torresdale, for want of a better word. Um, but I have to point out that all the original family money is long gone. That basically allowed them to initially they rented it and then they bought it. Um, but yeah, that's dwindled rapidly over the generations. So you're kind of left with this effectively crumbling pile that you're responsible for. Um, and you know it's basically we're trying to make an income to keep it going so we've done various um things to kind of help that happen over the years so yeah um the main one at the moment is the gin distillery that we established in 2017 so so we make entire gin um and that's with ben and turk distillers that's the company there and award-winning award-winning gin and various other various other spirits emma Indeed, yep. So yeah, we were um, do quite well at the Scottish Gin Awards, which are next week actually this year. So yeah, <laughs> always a always a good night um, catching up with some gin pals. Uh, and then we've also got self catering. So um, the self catering's been running since the eighties. Neil's mum and dad started that up, so we've taken that over. So we let out a castle apartment and a couple of cottages, and then we've got some eco bothies that we just opened this year. So. They're the two, so those two businesses are the kind of main crux of everything that we do. Um, and we've, we've got a cafe as well, so that's all part of it. Plenty to keep you busy and out of and out of trouble. Where were you, Emma, before you moved to Torresdale? Because I presume you and Neil haven't always been at Torresdale. No, yeah, so we, we actually met when we were living in Edinburgh, um, and our eldest was born there, and then we moved to Bridge of Allen, which is actually where I'm from. Uh, my mum my and dad live there. Um, and we both we both just happened to get jobs in Stirling, so it made st- sense to move there. Um, and I was sort of in denial about a entire move, massively in denial. And I just assumed that we would retire here, um, and that was the plan. That was my plan. Uh, and then you know life happens, and it just it just was the right time to move. We we you know we were renting a house, it got sold, and it happened again. And then Neil's dad was diagnosed with cancer, so it was the right time. The universe was saying, "Come to Kintyre," um, and so it wasn't really like we had to make a decision because the decision was made for us that um, this is what we were doing. And so I didn't really have, I wouldn't say we didn't have a choice in it, but 
didn't really have a chance to kind of think, what the hell are we doing? What am I going to do? This is ridiculous. It was just like, well, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going to live now. And so we packed everything up. Kids were little, sort of 18 months and three. Didn't have any pets at that point. Um, And yeah, we just moved into the castle and his mum and dad moved downstairs into a flat and that was kind of it. And life just, again, you just sort of adapt and um, suddenly here we were. And were you both kind of in the gin or spirits world before you decided to embark on a distillery or is that kind of a complete entire curveball? I've always been in spirits, really. (laughs) 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 Only recreationally, no. So we had no idea about um, making gin. The the catalyst for that was actually a hydro scheme. So um, Neil is very innovative because he kind of has to be because he's got this responsibility um and keeping this place going and so he's always been thinking about ways to diversify um so the hydro was the big game changer in 2015 so um, we were basically making electricity from a small burn down a pipe um, um, turning a turbine and selling it all back to the grid um um for a you know we were in a, a decent tariff so that income the idea originally was to sort of do some of the repairs to the castle. So you can imagine the, the, the roof is constantly leaking and things like that. Um, there's a lot of, lot of buckets up there. I was going to say, you probably spent a lot of money on buckets. <laughs> a lot of buckets, a lot of buckets. There's never a bucket because they're always catching drips. Um, but yeah, so we didn't, we, we parked that because then Neil had another idea and he thought, well, we've got a sustainable source of power we could make something with this and we could actually start another business. Of course, I'm always like, oh, why would we do that? We've got the hydro, let's just get some, you know. I've all, I'm always the no person in this relationship. But um, anyway, the gin boom was kind of starting and you, know, you had Harris Gin and the Botanist and then lots of craft distilleries were popping up all over the place. And Neil just thought, if we don't do Kintyre Gin, somebody else will do Kintyre Gin. Um, and so basically, and we can make it a sustainable product. We can use the hydro power to a gin still um so that was how that was all born and uh, yeah again I was a bit like oh everyone else is doing gin why would we do gin but yeah luckily Neil never listens to me (laughs) and just and just gets on it's it's funny Emma because I like follow you on Instagram and you know our paths have crossed I think a few few times and I would never have said that you were a no person when it came to stuff like that from you know like you're you're a bit like I kind of get the impression you're a bit like me you know you do stuff like go swimming in the sea and you know all of those things that slightly I think I always think slightly off the wall people do so probably the same people that would say yes to kind of wacky ideas but I guess in in your situation it's good to have that kind of balancing saying no because it does make you interrogate an idea to that next level doesn't it before you before you jump all in do think it's probably because I'm inherently lazy though because <laughs> I'm just thinking of because we were already running the self-catering I mean I had a lot of ironing back then now I've outsourced it and a lot of laundry and then the two two young kids and actually that was you know that's a lot so I just felt oh it's another thing but actually you know the kids grow up they're not as needy um it's and I've obviously I've thrown myself into it um especially the gin part but yeah I mean there's there's a lot of um I would say my key skills in both businesses are dealing with people and that's always been kind of um something I really really enjoy um I'm not one of these people that you know you see all these memes all the time now about ooh people ooh 
but I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, talk to me. <laughs> we live in the middle of nowhere. I'm delighted when people kind of, you know, turn up and come see us and come and stay. And Emma, if you grew up in kind of in Bridge of Allen, near Stirling, quite an urban environment, how did you find the move to somewhere quite as rural as, as Torresdale? Because, you know, there's rural and then there's Kintyre. Do you know, like, I think, I feel like there's like, you know, I would say I live rurally, but I'm 25, 30 minutes from Glasgow. Do you know, like, I'm not really that rural. Whereas Kintyre, you really are. So that must have been quite a shift for you. So you, your nearest, you know, so we're, what, three and a half hours from Glasgow, really, you know, three and 45 from Stirling. Um, you know, Cam- Campbelltown's a great town, but it's not got, you know, you know, my, my Sainsbury's. I was thought, well, how am I going to cope with that my Sainsbury's? Think, things like that. Um, you know, and also we used to come obviously and visit all the time. Um, but one thing I noticed very early on in those days, even before we were married, everybody here was very, very busy except for me and of course we were just staying on the estate because everybody was busy so I wasn't really meeting anybody so I had this fear that there was nobody under 60 (laughs) and I thought "Mm, you know how am I gonna I need some pals who am I gonna meet and then of course we moved here and you know there was a toddler group that had just started up so I basically forced myself upon some lovely people and made them be my friends um so yeah and of course it's a it's a brilliant community um so yeah no I've made some really fabulous pals um you know friends for life so it's that's been lovely yeah I think that kind of um rural community there's nothing quite like it you see it on the islands um I think we talked a bit about it before in an episode with with Margaret who's from the um from Uist and she talked about the community on the island and the and the way you kind of interact and I think areas of rural Scotland like what you're saying Emma you have that you all kind of look out for each other and it can be hard to see if you're just there on holiday as soon as you're there for an extended period of time it's it just it just kind of envelopes you doesn't it and just sucks you in (laughs) it really does and here it's not just you know Caradale's our local village which is a couple of miles away but you know Campbelltown is a fairly big town but it's a you know it's a small population so everybody knows you Everybody knows everything about you. Sometimes they make stuff up, but they you know I've been present a few times when I haven't been. <laughs> you know, it's just we. It's, it's, it's happened more than once where um, somebody's been. The rumor's gone around that somebody's died, um, and then they've been walking down the street. <laughs> you know, that's not that's not a rare occurrence. Basically, somebody hasn't seen someone for a few days, so they say, "Have they died?" And then the rumor goes round, "Yeah, they've died." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Um, I I love that. I think it's hilarious, and I, I, yeah, I just really the support that we've had as well. You know, especially with the gin when the gin started up, the the excitement locally was brilliant, and it still is. You know, we've got you know obviously we rely on tourism, but. In the shoulder months, you need the local trade and you need local support, um, and that's always been fantastic. I would say that estates have quite an intrinsic role to play in local communities, and it's great that obviously you've got the support of your local community, especially with the gin and things. Is that something that you try and do on the estate quite a lot, is work more with the community? Definitely. It's a huge part of it. So we've actually got the it, part of our branding is this commitment to sustainability. And so the key things for us are the hydropower, the sustainable electricity, 
Um, you know, we've got a natural source of spring water that, you know, we need to kind of preserve. Um, we've got commitment to replenishing. So we had a tree planting scheme and now we're doing rewilding. But the most important one for me is the community symbol and being a sort of responsible business and, you know, giving back to the community you know i mentioned all that support we've had so we tr we're trying to kind of you know obviously sponsor things where we can support charities be an employer you know employ people and provide opportunities um is definitely a really important one i mean and i think i you know i've not delved into neil's family history probably a huge amount but i do get the impression that over the generations they've always had that connection with the community so even when they were rich landowners um they were still very respected members of the community and you know they would have parties for the villages and they they employed a lot of people back then way more than we do now but um so they weren't like these aristocrats that lived you know this kind of untouchable life they were always and actually they came from humble beginnings to start with so you know they kind of worked hard and um you know made their money you know they were self-made um so yeah that's maybe sort of part of it so that's all part of this legacy that you've effectively inherited then really, isn't it? Exactly. So it's not something you, you can take for granted and nor you sort of very much feel like a custodian of it and you don't want to be the one that lets it down. Um, I mean, who knows what our kids will do with it or one of them because, you know, there's a thing. So it's always gone to the oldest son. Um, we've obviously got, well, we've got two girls, so the, you know, do we just leave it to the elders? When do you have that conversation? I don't know. I'm not. When, when was Neil sat down with his brother and his sister and said, right, sorry, sorry, Julia and Kenny, Neil's getting it all. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. And also we've only got two kids, so you're leaving out one rather than leaving out two, which to me sounds a bit... But then do they want to inherit a crumbling debt-ridden pile anyway? Probably not, so... It sounds, though, given the diversification opportunities that you're capitalising on, that the you know this this model or what has previously been a traditional model of estates with lots of debt and and crumbling castles and all the rest, actually, given what you're doing, it's it's looking to be quite a successful business. Hopefully, that's that's the plan. I mean, no, we yeah, we were sort of investing everything back in at the moment. We're kind of still at that stage, um, and. You know, you have to respond to the market. So the gin market's looking a bit, even the alcohol market is looking a bit shaky. It's not just the gin market. So, you know, we may have to pivot that to something else. Um, so it's not like we can say, right, we've got that, we've got that. We're constantly having to plan and think about how we can respond to, to, to what's going on. If, you know, if, for instance, say the gin market suddenly slumps or... Um, so we, yeah, Neil Neil's got some ideas up his sleeve, as you would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I so can't wait to see them. I cannot yeah. wait. <laughs> Again, my reaction was oh. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll be an epic idea. Oh, be they'll honest. be hugely successful, of course. <laughs> and and that, how does it feel now? You know, being on the estate. This is now your home. Um, this is now your business. This is that now your life. How does that feel now? I mean, is there is there a time when it can get, let's be honest, pretty scary because there is a lot of responsibility to to grow the business and make it sustainable, particularly for your children. Yeah, definitely, and it it can get very overwhelming, and I'm totally aware. So I think I have not probably not even got an inkling of the pressure that Neil feels because 
he has, you know, he's come from this line of his family and he's the latest one. I've been very careful. I can't, I couldn't have operated under that level of pressure and been any kind of um, half decent human being slash mother. Um, so I kind of haven't taken on, I'm starting to more now, obviously, because they're older. Um, and it's quite terrifying because, you know, we, we are actually facing um, the roof repairs next year. We're looking at sort of doing that finally, because if it's to have any kind of longevity, that's the first thing we need to do. But, you know, the sums are astronomical. Um, we're, you know, we're looking at f making changes to the castle so we can future proof it if we ever had to do something commercial to it. Um, and even that, it's, I, I yeah. I still I can't actually imagine it a not leaking, b there being more than one downstairs loo. But you know that's one of the plans. So, <laughs> and having a fully functioning kitchen. But I don't know. It's, it just to me seems pie in the sky. But you know we're making steps, and you know in you know quotes for scaffolding, you could build a house for what it costs to you know it's all that kind of thing. Is this something you've been building up to for quite a while then, is having the roof repairs done? No, it's been something we've been ignoring for years. <laughs> <laughs> Just buying more buckets. Yeah, so we there's now no more buckets, so we, we're forced to do it because we've run out, run out of buckets. Um, it's, yeah, time to, time, time to do it. It's, yeah, it's that kind of now or never because there's always that thing, you know, what, what is the option? And basically the, the only out is to sell, um, but it's not really an option because also it's not just us. So Neil's mum lives downstairs. We can't kick granny out. Um, and then there's also Auntie Carol. So she's 50 yards away um, and that's all part of the estate as well. So it's more than just us um, involved. And plus, it, yeah, it's like a, the castle is like another member of the family. Um, it's like the senile incontinent one, but... <laughs> You are very responsible for it. And Sadly, you can't put it in a nursing home and let somebody else pick up the... Pick up the we could make it into a nursing home. <laughs> I'll just move all my crazy friends in, I think. Well, I'm going to like it. And what about your girls and Emma? So are they... What are they particularly interested in? Are they interested in the estate? Because you, you and Neil are very hands-on in the business, aren't you? We are, yeah, because we have to be, um, yeah, and also, you know, it's part of what, 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 certainly what I love as well. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting. So they're uh, nearly 12, nearly 14. So um, they're both very into horses, which we're adamant we're never having. <laughs> we keep saying we don't have any space because luckily all, we've got a tenant farmer. So he's, he's using all the fields. So um, I don't, it's really tricky because you don't want to pressure them into taking it on you also don't want them to sell it and reap the benefits of our hard work so you know it's yeah it'd be interesting it would be fabulous if you know one or both wanted to be involved um but yeah i mean i didn't i st still don't know what i want to do i mean i just stumbled into things but you know it's like well what's your career trajectory well basically i got married <laughs> so I you know, I'm a terrible, terrible example to the sisterhood because <laughs> that's kind of where I how I got where I am today. Yeah, 
I know, but Emma, you know, there's two sides to that coin because you may have married Neil and, and, you know, been part of this succession plan for the estate in the castle, but look at all the things you've achieved together and it sounds like it's very much a partnership. That's true. Yeah, we probably lose sight of that. But yeah, I think we are. I think we are genuinely a good team. Um, and we've built up a good team. We've got, you know, we're very lucky. Um, we've got brilliant people working for us. Um, and we have sort of hopefully created an environment that it's, you know, it's not hierarchical. We don't, um, you know, Neil will wait tables at the cafe. You know, well, I was I was actually in the kitchen today making my scones and, you know, doing the food and I'll clean the toilet. So we're all, we are literally, you know, that hands on and there's no kind of, we're the bosses, you're our minions. <laughs> Hopefully, we've, you know, we don't want that kind of um, environment. I think that's part of the charm of rural Scotland, though, isn't it? That you can go to, you know, as a tourist even, you can go to a cafe somewhere like you, where you guys are and you may well be served by what is Neil as effectively the Laird of Torresdale. But, do you know, but, but that is... You know, that is just part of what makes rural Scotland tick. And I think the businesses that you see succeed are the ones where everyone is just hands on, gets stuck in, celebrates each other's success, works together. And that's just the way that's just the way it is. Yeah. And it's very it's yeah, it's very authentic. Um, and people do really love that. You know, we're not slick and we're not corporate. Um you know, there's the we've had people, you know, who've done the Johnny Walker experience in Edinburgh, and then they've come on our gin tour, and they said, well, actually, yours, we just love yours so much more because it's not that kind of timed slickness from technology, and you know that, and that's that's really, you know, people really get what we're trying to do. Um, we just try and basically be ourselves, even though we're complete twats most of the time. <laughs> but yeah. I don't I, I doubt that I very much doubt that but I mean also great for your girls to see you and Neil having that hands-on approach and I would imagine instills a really strong work ethic in them well I mean <laughs> yeah that remains to be seen um yeah they're not um I guess they are just teenagers and lazy um they do need yeah I mean because we could you know, I keep saying they could earn a fortune in pocket money if they pulled their finger out just by, you know, there's always so much to do here, always, because um, everything just seems to be on a massive scale. Um, the young, the oldest one, actually, so we can officially employ her. She's 14 in January, so she's quite is quite keen to start working in the cafe, which will actually be really good. Um, all my, you know, I've obviously I've worked since I was 14, you know, mostly jobs like that, waitressing, you know, the jobs you describe as sort of crappy bar jobs, you know, dossy cafe jobs, but actually they're the ones that have been more useful than my two degrees and the brief time when I was gainfully employed in a proper job. For that, they've been, you know, been much more important to what I'm doing now because, yeah, they've taught me how to speak to people and, you know, in all walks of life. So. Yeah, it's that it's that people element, it's that relationship building element that's that's such a huge part of it. It's a really fundamental part of it. And you're right, those jobs give you that sort of foundation. Totally. And I do think, you know, our girls are terrible, like all teenagers are living their life on a screen. And you don't want them to lose that confidence or not, you know, of being able to speak to people. Like I was saying before about this kind of almost cult of, oh, I don't like people. It's like, well, 
we all need people. You can't, you know, no matter how antisocial you are, you still need to be able to talk to people. And yeah, so I think um, I probably do it too much. <laughs> um, I was going to say on the subject of people, Emma, and bringing bringing people kind of to Torresdale being remote. I um, I know you've had some some TV crews and the like to 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 Torresdale. John, tell us a bit about it. How was it? What, were they were they real? <laughs> we have, yeah. So yeah, it's a bit mad. So the the first time it was, um, I think it was Landward were coming to talk to Neil's mum about her tannery. So she had a sheepskin tannery for for many years, and then we'd not long started the gin, and so they got quite excited about that, and. They kind of parked the tannery part and then came and spoke to us about the gin and that didn't, didn't go down well. Anyway, um, so that was quite interesting. Then we had um, Paul Merton doing the Grand Tours of Scotland series. So he came. Um, and again, it's usually it's, it's usually Neil that gets on camera, but I was determined to get on camera. So I basically shoved Ada Stiller out of the way. She was, who, she was bottling. Um, I shoved her out of the way. And so there's a sort of three-second clip of me bottling gin, but it's literally just my hands. Um, and then we had Doogie Vipond was here doing something and we've seen him a couple of times since he's become a, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, got we pal. Um, and then the, the most recent one was, um, oh gosh, Josh Widdicombe and Nish Kumar did this thing on Sky that I don't think anybody actually saw because it was on Sky, but they were pretending to be journalists. And so they wanted to meet a landowner for some reason. And so again, so they came and interviewed Neil. So this massive TV crew turned up. It was about 25 of them. Um, we've got one downstairs loose. That was my biggest concern. How are they all going? I kept trying to usher them to the toilet. Do you need to go? Do you need to go? So they wouldn't all want to go at once. Um, and yeah, so they filmed for hours and it was like about a minute of screen time. It was, but it it was the hottest day of the year. So the place looked spectacular. Like the, and they had these drone footage. It really did look amazing. Um, but as I said, I don't think many people saw it, but I did get to meet Josh Widdicombe and Nish Kumar, who were very nice. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, a lot of, there's, yeah, you, you do, you don't really know what's gonna, gonna happen next, um, in terms of, is it going to be a TV crew? We've had Reverend Richard, he pops by, Reverend Richard calls, he's become quite a good pal now, because he holidays, um, just a few miles south, um, and he tweeted that he was in Kintyre, and so I, basically just said come for tea at the castle as a joke and he replied and said yeah how about tomorrow I was like all right then um so yeah so we've seen each other quite a few he cooked us lunch last in the summer this summer how did that sort of person kind of respond Emma because you know like people like Nish Kumar and Josh Widdicombe you know they're generally probably household names that are quite well known do they kind of how do they react to like life in a castle because I'm sure that's not there every day Mm. Nish was quite funny, so he just basically kept saying, "Oh my God, you live in a fucking castle," and was kind of looking around. And I just kept saying, "Oh my God, it's fucking Nish Kumar." I <laughs> 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 laugh about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is novel, and we 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 do get people kind of turning up thinking that it's open to the public, um, which always makes me laugh because you know you can tell from the porch, which is just basically full of coats and wellies, and you know just stuff just crap family life stuff um but we actually had people that still thought despite the state of the porch and they came in the front door and 
<laughs> they walked into the living room where our bemused children were sat. We were up the distillery, um, still thinking that this was like a national trust property that they could come into. And they wouldn't, you wouldn't walk into somebody else's house, just walk in, you know, let yourself in over through the open floor. No, exactly. Um, and we do get people, you know, they'll come and take photos. And I used to, I find it quite, in fact, in the, in the early days, I would run out and go and have a chat because it was like, oh, people. Um, but now yeah, I'm a bit like, oh, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very nice. And Emma, um, do you host like events or any like big groups or anything on the, on the, on the estate or like with the distillery or any kind of events that people can engage with? Yeah, we do. Um, so we do, obviously, the cafe's open. We do do gin tours. Um, and we're continuing those in the winter. We do gin school, so you can come and blend your own gin, which is really, really good fun. That's one of my favourite things to do um, uh, work-wise. Um, but we also do, we started doing guided walks this year. So just made them free just to get people up to the estate. So Neil would do a Laird tour, so he'll talk about the history um, and, and, you know, the developments and the diversity throw in a few ghost stories because obviously we've got some of them going on um and then we do a wildlife walk as well so we've got brilliant ranger ranger steve um he started working for us this year um so he'll take a group round and just talk about the the biodiversity on the estate and what's growing what's living there um and then we did woodland school as well so for primary kids um in the summer holidays and that was fantastic like we had no you just never know who's going to turn up so Sometimes, you know, there was like 30 odd kids there. Um, but again, a really good way of letting people know that they can come here. So you can come here and just have a walk um, and just enjoy it um, because it really is absolutely stunning. Such a nice part of Scotland. So Emma, when we asked you about experiences before, you mentioned a Highland Games for 80 German bankers. Now that sounds, it sounds ominous just in, the, just in, just in that sentence. Tell us more. <laughs> That is a classic, that's a classic, Neil Singh. Um, somebody's got in touch, we could do this, and me going, don't be so stupid, how would we do a Highland Games for 80 German bankers? So it was one of these random things, there's a German investment company called Kintyre Investment, so the original founders, I think they were Scottish, so there's a connection to the Bank of Scotland, and there was a sort of spurious link to Kintyre. And so they found out about us and thought, oh, that's that'll be a great present to give all our, you know, shareholders is a bottle of Kintyre gin so we did a special label for them so we were already in touch with them and then the company was turning 10 in 2020 so they got in touch and said we would love to host a Highland Games for 80 of our team or um, investors or whoever in Kintyre um, and basically they were actually organizing all of it we just needed to fling in a field so actually it was we were quite hands-off Obviously, that got parked because of the pandemic. And I, I was secretly thinking, phew, dodge that bullet. Because even though we weren't in charge of organising it, the chances of getting a decent day in Kintyre, kind of, I think it was September they wanted to do it, made me very nervous. Um, but no, no, sure enough, they got back in touch. Um, so I think it was a couple of years ago that we did it. And it'd been pouring in the weeks leading up to this. And then they managed to get this incredible day. So they had this amazing like Highland Games, they had marquees, they had barbecues. Obviously, you know, they we were doing gin tours, gin stuff with them as well. And then they had a DJ at night. And so they had this uh, interesting 80s medley blaring out over the whole estate. So, I mean, we had holiday guests. We've also got, I've mentioned Auntie Carol and Granny, lots of neighbours as private tenants as well. Um, 
um, other homeowners up the Glen, but um, nobody nobody complained. They all kind of enjoyed it. Nobody complained. That's and that's part of the joy of kind of the type the nature of the business you've got that you're you can engage with the public. The space you've got allows you to be flexible and do all sorts of cool things and create really cool really cool stories. It was good, and and it has made us think. Gosh, you know, there's more we could do here. That worked. What else could we do? Obviously, weddings is an obvious kind of thing to think about for the future, with especially with the castle. Um, and then we've got spaces at the gin distillery as well. So, the other one, Emma, that you've mentioned in your notes that I'm I'm just not going past is a police manhunt. Oh yes, well that was brilliant. Now that was, I think that was at the end of 2020. So things were still quite kind of locked down. Um, and suddenly these this um, I think there's a couple of police cars turned up and said, not to alarm you, but. Um, there's three convicts on the run <laughs> they, they were trying to steal quad bikes um, and tractors and they got caught I think and then just legged it and so they were last seen heading up our way and so we're like oh okay and they were like don't approach them just contact us you might hear a helicopter buzzing around there'll be a lot of police presence just to kind of worry so it was all terribly exciting um, <laughs> you know check your check your outhouse your hen house your dog house <laughs> it was like um or don't actually in case they're in there but um yeah and it turned out so one of them i think this is hilarious one of them lasted about an hour and just gave up and handed himself in quite close to where we are but the other two made it a good few miles north along the coast and it was actually our friend hamish they ended up in his garden i think he caught them or found them and then i don't know whether he yeah but anyway they were they were um you know arrested charged and then popped on the bus to Glasgow so <laughs> I don't know what happened in the end I mean it's actually yeah we're laughing but um that that happens you know they do do these sweeps of the peninsula and they'll steal quad bikes um things like that and obviously it's a massive loss to people we're touched wood luckily haven't had anything like that nicked ourselves but sounds like Kintyre's the place to go for a quiet relaxing holiday then <laughs> I know, actually, yeah. It's very rare. Very rare that happens. <laughs> Not often a police case. <laughs> and how do you get that balance right between, you know, the business diversification that you're looking at the moment, trying to encourage more visitors to the area? It's relatively undiscovered part of Scotland, I think it'd be fair to say. And getting that balance right between encouraging these visitors, but retaining that kind of unique remote feeling that I think a lot of them really value when they come and stay with you. I think that's all part of the sort of sustainable tourism um, and it's about education and it's about, you know, putting out the right messages that, you know, it's not it's not a theme park. Don't come here if you're expecting centre parks, you know. It really is about, you know, creating your own, you know, activities, entertainments. It's not, nothing's really handed to you on a plate. Obviously, there's some brilliant businesses that do fantastic things you know, to, to enhance a holiday, but essentially, you know, you've, especially, if, you know, coming to Torresdale um, and people really love coming here for that kind of seclusion, um, a fairly deserted beach. Sometimes there's tens of people on it and you're like, oh my God, it's crowded. <laughs> but you, yeah, it's, you don't often get that now. There's, you know, parts of Scotland can be crowded and you, you don't want that, but uh, it is it's that kind of double-edged sword because obviously we do want to encourage more people but I think it's a big enough area to to absorb um 
more people. Um, and because it's undiscovered, you can kind of promote Kintyre as a whole. So the Kintyre 66, for instance, is a kind of newish venture. It was sort of the timing of it was, you know, around the pandemic. So it kind of got part. But actually, I think that was a massive benefit for it because we want to avoid the pitfalls of the North Coast 500 um, and not turn it into this kind of, you know, motocross loop where you're racing around. You know, it's really about this is what is here um, in this area and you can, you know, spend time and, you know, visit lots of different places. It's not about sort of bagging, bagging the route. Um, so I think that the soft launch of that, I think, is, has been much more beneficial than just saying, yay, it's another route you can hear around um, and upset local people. Yeah, I suppose it's about making Kintyre a destination, really. And it, and it is a destination in its own right because it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it speaks for itself. It really does. And, you know, we have guests that have been coming for years and, you know, more than once a year. And, you know, they've become really good friends because it's just, you know, you look forward to seeing them and they know what to expect. Um, and they just get it. I think we don't often get people that don't get it, but there is that worry, especially if you've got, you know, you come and you, have, you can have a week of bad weather and you know, there's not many wet weather sort of options, but you, you do sort of feel responsible for somebody's holiday um, in those circumstances. but And it's having that opportunity to add value to somebody's visit. So the things that you're doing with the distillery and the other businesses in the area that you're working with, just adding value to that visitor experience and making it, as you said before, a really authentic one. Yeah, exactly. And there, like I said, there's some you know brilliant businesses all over and there's really good, um, really strong kind of tourism groups um that are involved in, in, you know, marketing and promotion. So, there, it, yeah, everyone does work closely together. Uh, it's great to have that real sense of business community as well as kind of local community then. Definitely, yeah. Um, and it's, you know, there's a balance because, you, you know, you, 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 do get, you do get the local people that moan about tourists, but, you know, we're in tourism when we moan about tourists. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, love tourists. Um, you know, for instance, the camper vanners, but um, I've learned to love them over the years. So, Emma, we end every episode asking um, our guest, what's one piece of advice they would give to the next generation of rural women in Scotland? So can you give us yours, please? Gosh, that I found that really, really difficult question. Um, and then I thought, well, actually, my kids are the next generation of rural women in Scotland. And that terrified me, won't lie. <laughs> Um, because <laughs> I think I said in my notes they don't do a damn bloody thing I ask them to do. Um, I don't know. I mean, coming from so I'm, I guess I'm, I've come into this rural environment. Um, so my advice would probably be for people in a similar situation that maybe haven't been brought up in a rural environment is, um, ally up, get your allies, get your pals. I mean, I've met some fantastic people, um, mainly women. I have to say. Um, big shout out to, in particular, I know you've spoken to Emma Clark on Isla. Um, she, we, we, became, we've actually only met in real life twice. I think it's ridiculous, but we became pals in lockdown because I needed to know how to shell a crab. And um, obviously she's got the fantastic Glen Egadil guest house, so I just sort of video bombed her out of the blue. Um, and we've been friends ever since. So yes, get some allies, um, and people that you know get it. Um, and just be, you know, give it back, be, be supportive. Um, 
and just yeah just be yourself I think is the big you know the, the best thing to be you don't have and I think that's quite liberating about being rural is you you're not in the rat race really I mean but there's just something just so much more honest I think about being this role because you know the things you think mattered actually don't matter and what really does matter is the people around you oh I think it's great advice I think that ally up is so is so true it's like you know we talk about this time and time again on this podcast find your champions you know that's how charlotte and i became friends um actually it was because hannah stalked me but yeah that's a different story <laughs> listen to it. episode one for that one <laughs> i've heard that so i love uh, yeah i love a stalking yeah but it's it is it's fine it's finding those people that you can ch- that can champion champion you in the rooms when you're not there but also be there share ideas and um, whether it's how to how to serve a crab or or anything else because I don't think that's what I'm going to need anytime soon but I know to phone Emma Clark if I do need to know or me you can phone me now because I'm a dad yeah. Yeah, I, can dispatch, I can dispatch a crab in my shot now <laughs> we ate a lot of seafood in lockdown because it wasn't going to Spain so it was all being yeah. delivered to our door it was amazing so yeah which is fantastic so emma thanks so much for joining us to share your stories experiences and lessons it's been absolutely brilliant i've had a really really lovely evening um yeah i've, I've been of course i've been telling everybody i'm gonna be on a podcast i'm gonna have a podcast so yeah i've been, I've been dining out on this for a long time um everyone to listen to it, but no it's been absolutely brilliant Well, we've thoroughly enjoyed it as well. So thank you. Now, if you'd like to connect with Emma on social media, you will find all her details in the show notes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Instagram at Women and Wellies Podcast to stay up to date with all the latest news. And you can email us with any questions on womeninwelliespodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love it if you could leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time. 